by the way, the person now, if you don't know, the person I was just up here a minute ago, that is Pastor Gary. He's an associate pastor here. I'm an associate pastor too, children and youth pastor. Our senior pastor is Tony right here. Uh, but I'm going to be speaking today, and I'm actually going to be giving you a message that uh, I've already given to the children, and we made this very culty-looking craft, but it's not culty. It just looks that way. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you should be. I'm offended, too. Uh, actually, I want to start off doing something interesting. Um, uh, I want to recognize and honor... Uh, our educators that are in the room, and I'm going to break it up into two categories. So for the first category, if you currently or in the past have worked for the school system or worked as a tutor um, in any place, whether you were in the kitchen or a police officer or a teacher or whatever, um, any, any part of a body that uh, educated other people's kids, if you could stand up right now. Yes, we honor you, we bless you, thank you. It is an underpaid, underthanked position. Now, don't sit down yet, don't sit down yet. I want to join you now, any homeschool parents, homeschool parents stand up too, also underpaid, underthanked. All right. Lord, I just pray for these people that have been a part of educating the children, I pray blessings upon them for the work they've done in the past. If they're still doing it, I pray your anointing and your blessings. And just give them uh, so many rewards for, for their service and bless them, especially by drawing them closer and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. And Eileen and Ariel, if you can come up here for a second. So I got a hold of the phone list to Palm Bay High, um, and uh, that has all the employees, at least the employees that have a phone. Um, and uh, what I did is I put uh, little cards in little envelopes, and it's got their names on them. So anybody who wants to can take as many cards as they want. They're not Christmas cards per se, they're just blank cards. And I want you to pray over the name. I was inspired, somebody, a pastor in... Um, uh, Titusville did this for an elementary school in Coco, and I was like, yeah, let's do this. Probably hide right across the street. So take a card if you want, pray over the person. Maybe they're a teacher. Maybe they're just a different staff member, and then write something encouraging in the card. Do not seal it, please, because um, we're going to put something else in it, and then uh, turn it back into the church next week or the week after. So uh, that'll be awesome. This isn't all of them. I ran out of cards. I'll get you some more next week, but go ahead and raise your hand if you want a card or two or 20 or whatever. And while they're, while they're passing that out, I'll go ahead and get started. You can open up your Bible to Psalm 68. And I'm going to start by looking at verses 15 through 17. This message is called, Sinai is in the Sanctuary. Um, I'm going to be reading... Uh, this particular passage out of the ESV translation, it doesn't matter if uh, you are using a different one. And it says here, O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, 
mountain of Bashan. Why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. Now, before you try to figure it all out, if it doesn't make any sense to you, or before you try to figure out why your translation might say something a little differently than the ESV. I'll I'll explain all that in a minute. Um, What I just want to do is just ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us through this passage, and then we're just going to read it one more time and just let it soak in before we even dive into it and see what the Holy Spirit might have to say to us. So, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here with us, And we always are in desperate need of you. And thank you that you are our teacher, our counselor. I pray that you would speak to us through this passage today in Jesus' name. So let me read it again. And let's just absorb these words. Before we even try to intellectualize it, let's just absorb the word of God. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan. O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan. Why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, At the mount that God desired for his abode. Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. Thank you, Lord. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. It's crazy, man. So, um, David was a prophetic worshiper, uh, King David, in the Bible. And uh, if you read through the Psalms, man, some stuff is crazy. Me and Tony were talking about this recently. Uh, if you read Psalms, here's, here's your homework. You got a little note sheet with a bunch of lines on it. So put, put this down. Um, read Psalm 22. This is a Psalm of David. Um, and read Mark 15. Start with Mark 15. And then go back and read Psalm 22. And this is what I'm talking about, David's gifting that the Lord has given him. Psalms 22 is Mark 15 from the perspective of Jesus Christ. And David wrote it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. And when you, it, it has everything. It has the abuse. It has the necessary uh, God turning away from him uh, for the gospel to be finished. It has the uh, the abusers like throwing lots and gambling for his clothing. It has it all there in Psalm 22. So you read Mark 15, you get the gospel. It's like laid out from somebody else's perspective, like an observer. And then you go to Psalm 22, and you get the same exact story from Jesus's perspective. And this is what people in David's day were singing in church, because David like turned it into Asaph, the worship leader. He's like, here, we're going to do this one on Sunday. And it's like, oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And everybody's like, why are we singing this song? But... It's amazing. So this is David's gift. And David wrote this really bizarre passage right here. And as we look into it, you're going to see that it's another one of those prophetic passages, um, actually about Jesus, but also about, about your situation, about Israel's situation. And it's, it's really, really, really cool. So when I came across this... So I, I typically read the, uh, the NLT. I really like that version. But I like to um, switch it up. So this year, I am going through the entire Bible 
through in the ESV because sometimes when you see things in a different translation, it like opens your eyes to something that maybe you've missed before. And so this is one of those passages. I, was, I came across it, and it felt to me very powerful, even though I couldn't totally grasp what it was yet saying. I was like, there's something really awesome here. Holy Spirit, speak to me. And as I'm looking at it and over and over again, things start like like clarifying. It's like, oh, I can see the matrix. Um, it's, it's making sense. And then, uh, so Matthew Henry, if you don't know that name, he's a guy from the 1700s. He wrote a super exhaustive and amazing commentary on every single passage of Scripture in the whole Bible. And you can get an app, or you can use your Bible app and access his commentary. I always go to him. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, reading this, and I'm like, whoa, this is what, what does Matthew Henry have to say about it? And he's got, you know, pages and pages to say about it. He's very talkative. Um, and so, and he's saying, he was saying and reiterating a lot of the stuff that I thought that this passage was saying. And uh, I was like, man, this is, this is so, how did, I, how did I miss this? Sinai is now in the sanctuary. But in Matthew Henry's commentary, he said, some read it as Sinai is now in the sanctuary. But if you have a New King James or an NIV or a NASB or whatever, yours might say something more like, the Lord is among them as in Sinai, which reads a little bit differently, has a slightly different meaning. Um, now, here's the deal. When you are a translator, for anybody here who is bilingual, you will know that uh, translations aren't perfect. You kind of, when you're translating, you kind of got to, you got to just figure out what's best. Like, what is the best way to say this in English? And so that's what these Bible commentators have had to do. And so if you have a NASB or uh, some of the, like the New King James that put italics in there, um, you'll see that the words as in are italicized, which means those words were added. And so if you look in the actual Hebrew, it says Adonai Bam Sinai Bakodesh. Uh, and anybody like Jeremiah who knows Hebrew, I'm sorry for butchering it if I am butchering it. Adonai Bam Sinai Bakodesh, which is literally the Lord among them, Sinai in the holy. Well, that word holy is also used for holy place or sanctuary. So sanctuary is an accurate translation there. Um, the Lord among them, Sinai in the sanctuary. And so some translators are like, that doesn't make any sense. But as in the sanctuary makes sense. So I'll do that because Sinai is a mountain. Sinai is that big giant mountain where God met with man and there was glory, and there was earthquakes and fire, and, and the word of God came forth from Sinai. And uh, so how can that be in the sanctuary? The sanctuary is little. So, uh, but it's what it says there. The Lord among them, Sinai in the sanctuary. Sinai is in the sanctuary. So I'm like, oh, man. And it was just resonating with me. I'm like, this is, this is powerful. i got to keep looking into this. So, so I did. Um, it's poetic, it's powerful, and in need of contemplation. Now, let's, I did some research so that we can start to understand this picture. So, oh, mountains of God, mountains of Bashan. So you're getting this idea that there are these many peaked mountains in this place called Bashan, which are obviously close enough to uh, Jerusalem to be looking down on Mount Zion uh, in Jerusalem, which is where the temple uh, stood. And uh, they're looking with hatred down on the mountain, almost like envy or jealousy, but they just 
despise these many peak mountains. So uh, what I found out is that Bashan, or Bashan, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, is the Golan Heights today. That's what we call it now. And it has elevations as high as 65,000 feet above sea level. Meanwhile, Mount Zion is only about 25,000 feet. So you're getting this picture of something that is taking pride in itself, something that is large and looking down with contempt upon something that it despises down here. Little temple, little Mount Zion, pathetic, right? And God's like, oh yeah? Sinai is in the sanctuary. It's like, oh, snap. <laughs> but still, what does it mean? Um, so I'm going to actually get into, in a little bit, the literal prophecy that is being portrayed, which you could see when you read the whole thing. Um, but I think it also has application for us at this very moment. I think this is the general idea. I think that you might feel overshadowed and outnumbered by angry and oppressive mountains. Have you ever felt that way? Um, maybe you feel small and insignificant compared with the trouble around you. Um, and what are those mountains to you, these oppressive, angry, hateful Giant mountains that make you feel insignificance. Um, maybe is your marriage struggling? Maybe that's, that's something. Are you losing a battle against temptation? Is it a health issue? Anxiety, depression, fear, heartbreak. These days, those things are so common, and uh, you've probably experienced some of them. You probably, you know, some of you might be going through some of this right now. Maybe you feel like the mountains that are oppressing you, that are looking down on you with hatred, and you feel so insignificant, and there's just such an impossibility of you doing anything about it. Maybe those are financial. Maybe you feel this way because your child has gone astray, or maybe you feel this way because of the political landscape. You're looking at the society around us. You're like, what can we do now? Politics are so screwed up. We are hopeless. It is a giant set of mountains and I am down on this small mountain, what can I do? Is it just the increase in darkness in the world? For those of you who have watched the news, and it's just all around constantly, whether it be shooting at schools or the atrocities in Israel or whatever, you're like, what can I possibly do? I live in a suburb in the United States. I make minimum wage. I go to church on Sunday. How in the world am I to combat these giant evils around me, who am I? And God's message to you is that though the mountains seem big in your eyes, there is a place of worship on a little hill. And in that place of worship is Mount Sinai, the flaming, shaking, majestic mountain of the Lord where he intercedes on behalf of his people and his word goes forth and there is glory and it is in the place of worship. And as we're going to see, I'm going to make the case and you're going to see it clearly by the end. I only just saw it this Tuesday that um, this is literally referring to Jesus. This passage in Psalms is calling Jesus Mount Sinai. So let me tell you this. Jesus is the embodiment of all the glory that you ever saw on Mount Sinai. Jesus is the word gone forth. Jesus is the glory of God. And Jesus is in the place of worship. And Jesus is bigger than your mountains. 
uh, Elisha, or uh, Elijah, sorry. Um, here's one of the stories from Mount Sinai that you might remember. Uh, from this story, I get the idea that Elijah was really B.A. Like, he was, he was a tough dude. I, I mean, he, so he just murdered, like, 400 bad guys. And uh, so then he goes over, and he gets scared for a minute, and he runs away. And he goes to the mountain of God, but he's still tough, tough as heck. And so he's standing on the mountain of God, and there's, like, like a hurricane, like all this wind around him, and he is unshaken. And then there's like a fire, and he doesn't care. He's still standing there on the mountain. I mean, this is the mountain of God. It's crazy. And then there's this big earthquake, and he doesn't care. Like, whatever. And then God whispers to him, and he freaks out. He covers his face because the whisper of God is powerful than any mountains, troubles, fears you might have. It is more fearsome than whatever you misplaced your fear in. Put it in the right place. God is to be feared. He is to be loved and worshipped. He is huge and powerful and majestic. So, but it was in the place of worship. Sinai is in the sanctuary, in the holy place, the place where sacrifices are made, the place where we come to worship the Lord. So in worship, you stand on the fiery mountain of God that quakes and thunders with his power. You are actually on a higher summit than Bashan. The mountains of Bashan will tremble when they realize that you stand on the mountain of God's fury and majesty. Upon your little hill of worship are thousands upon thousands of God's chariots far outnumbering the enemy. Temptation will tremble in fear in the place of worship. The darkness of this world will become small and insignificant as the majesty of Jesus is revealed in this place of worship. Loneliness will not overcome you, but you will overcome on the fiery heights of his passionate love for you. As far as the political landscape, here's Psalms 2, 1 through 6, another Psalm of David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves uh, and the rulers uh, take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart. Let us cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens, he who is Mount Zion, he who is here with us in this place of worship, what does he do? He laughs. He laughs. We get our focus on the wrong thing. We look at the darkness of the world. We look at the politics, and we get scared. Meanwhile, God's like, oh, yeah. I want to be with that guy. I want to be with a guy that's laughing at the darkness, knowing that it doesn't have a chance. Then he will speak to them in his wrath, terrifying them in his fury, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. As far as your struggle with fear goes, 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17 says this. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid, 
For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes. He didn't even need to pray because he had faith. He didn't need to say, open my eyes. He just knew. He just trusted. He didn't have to see with his eyes. He knew that those who are with us outnumber all that out there. But he prayed for his servant. He said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Elisha. Paul prayed that you would have your eyes open to the safety and the glory of this little hill of worship. In Ephesians 1, 16 through 21, it says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Immeasurable greatness of his power to you guys who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come which is why God laughs. So I'm going to repeat this phrase a couple times. You could write this one down if you want. All the greatest things in the universe are hidden in smallness and humility. I'll repeat it right now. All the greatest things in the universe are hidden in smallness and humility. For now, you could add to that. For now. God came as a baby human born in a barn. Salvation for the whole world came by God giving up all his rights and submitting to death. Prayer is quiet, often unseen, and without immediate visible results sometimes. And yet it is the conduit that unleashes heaven on earth. Worship seems like inactivity to the world around, I guess. Maybe to you sometimes, maybe to me sometimes. Maybe you feel like you need to be doing something to make the world a better place. But worship actually releases God's wrath against evil. Um, The phrase, Sinai is now in the sanctuary, is literally a reference to Jesus bringing wrath to his enemies and peace to his beloved as we worship him. Um, And we're going to look at that in just a minute. We're going to see how that statement is true. Um, But first, um, I'll give you one example this is really exciting. This is new to me, too. I just learned this. I shared it with Toby a couple weeks ago, one of our youth. Um, an example of how worship releases the wrath of God on darkness and evil and all bad things you don't want in your life. Like, worship actually releases his wrath against the yuck. So, check it out. This is from Isaiah 30, 29 through 31. Um, and here's the, uh, the context. The king of, um, is, this, is it Judah here? Well, whatever. A king of Judah or Israel, I think it's king of Judah, um, was afraid because uh, the Assyrians were coming to attack. Um, 
Anyway, uh, and God was like, you don't have to be afraid. Um, and here's why. Isaiah 30, 29 31. You shall have a song. Okay, have that in mind. Let's start with that. You shall have a song. This is the promise that God has given him. Why you don't have to be afraid of the Assyrian army. You just watch the Assyrians wipe away the northern kingdom, and you're afraid they're coming for you. He said, you shall have a song as in the night when a holy feast is kept, and gladness of heart as when one sets out to the song of the flute to go to the mountain of the Lord, which is what we're talking about here today, to the rock of Israel. And the Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard and the descending blow of his arm to be seen in furious anger and a flame of devouring fire with a cloud burst and storm and hailstones. This sounds like Mount Sinai stuff. And the Assyrians will be terror-stricken at the voice of the Lord when he strikes with his rod. And here's verse 32. And every stroke of the appointed staff that the Lord lays on them will be to the sound of tambourines and lyres. So I'm giving you a song, and I'm going to bring wrath against all that is evil to the beat of your worship. All the greatest things in the universe are hidden in smallness and humility. Worship is one of the greatest things in the universe. Looking back at Psalm 68, we're going to go there, and we're going to see how this is in context to Jesus' return and him being worshipped and bringing peace to his people while his enemies are scattered. This is actually literally a prophecy of when Jesus comes back to the earth. It's pretty exciting, even though it does apply presently to our situation. So Psalm 68, starting at verse 1. God shall arise His enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him as smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away as wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God, but the righteous shall be glad, they shall exalt before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. Say that to your mountains. I'm going to be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts, his name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Yeah, maybe your fear is abandonment. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe that's your mountain. You like don't know how to live because you've been banded. Um, or uh, you, maybe you are literally a widow and you are lonely or you're in need. This is our God. He is the father of the fatherless, the protector of the widows. God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. I'm just, for the sake of time, I'm going to jump to verse 12. It says, the kings of armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil. Though you men lie among the sheepfolds, the wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, so this is talking about Jesus. You know, armies have gathered around Israel. You know, they're under Antichrist. They're, they hate Christians. They hate Israel. They really hate Jesus, which is also Psalm 2. And Jesus is like, okay, it's time. I, you know, I gave you thousands of years to repent, but time to make the world a better place. So he's coming, and he is defeating all these wicked governments and these, this wicked army, literally, like physically, on the earth. This is what this passage is about. Um, and um, apparently, snow is falling on Zalman at this point. 
Um, O mountain of God, here we go, here's this part. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode, yes, where the Lord will dwell forever? So here, I think he's literally talking about armies that are gathered on the mountains outside of Israel, which we see is going to happen in end times, and they're all over the mountains, and they're coming down, and uh, God is saying, um, uh, (laughs) why are you looking with hatred on that? You should be scared of that. Like, Mount Zion is in the place of worship, homie. Like, I want to go down there if I were you, and then you're going to see here in these next few verses that it's like, oh, by the way, that's Jesus. So let's, let's see. Let's see. All right? Why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode? Yes, where the Lord will dwell forever. The chariots of God are twice 10,000, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. So here we go. Very next verse. It might sound familiar to you, and you might have had no idea it was here in the Old Testament in the Psalms. You ascended on high leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men and even the rebellious, even the rebellious, that's me, yo, I am the rebellious, that the Lord may dwell there. You might also remember that passage from Ephesians 4. Let's look at the Ephesians 4 version. It says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, um, the shepherds and teachers. Um, so what he does here, it says, if you look at the, uh, uh, the psalm version, it says, and receiving gifts among men, even the rebellious. When you look at Ephesians 4, you get to see what that means. So he's like, I'm going to take everybody who wants to be part of this. Like, I love you. Come be part of this. Like, fear God and love me. I love you. I'm going to make you a gift. And what that gift looks like is spiritual, and it names all these spiritual gifts, teachers and prophets, whatever. God's like, I want to manifest myself through you and make you a gift to the world. So that's what it's talking about there in Psalms. Jesus, who's on his way literally into the sanctuary, literally on Mount Zion, literally in the rebuilt temple, um, he's the one who currently is giving us, making us into gifts because of his blood. God is saying to the future enemies of God, hey, you remember the guy who ransomed many from the grave and brought them to eternal life and made them gifts to the world as teachers and prophets and such by imparting in them his very spirit? Yeah, that's me. And you've done messed up. You've done messed with the wrong people. They have worshiped and I am now responding is what this message is. So now we're going to go back to Psalm 68. Verse 24 becomes a little more clear now. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians laughed, between them virgins playing tambourines. Bless God in the great congregation, the Lord 
Oh, you who are Israel's fountain. So this is the song they're singing. So it's literally Jesus. He's walking into the sanctuary. He has worshipers before him. He has worshipers behind him. His enemies are scattered. And he, when he's in the sanctuary, he's Mount Zion. Mount Zion is now in the sanctuary. This is what's going to happen in the future. For the time being, Mount Zion, Jesus is still in our place of worship. Um, so like I said, this was a message to the kids, and uh, I made them make these little Mount Sinai hats. And uh, just to remind them, don't be afraid of the big mountains because you got the fiery mountain. <laughs> so in light of all this, as you begin to study next week with Pastor Tony, the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is going to make a lot more sense, actually, when you realize, like, all the impossibilities that God calls you to, and you're like, oh, but Jesus is here with me. I'm on Mount Sinai. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, we could do it because cause Jesus. Because I'm, I'm standing on the rock. I'm standing on Mount Sinai. Like, let's just kind of end this way. Do we have anything else? No, this, this, is, this is how we're going to end. Uh, let's go to, we'll, take a, we'll do a little sneak peek at next week, next week's message. Let's go ahead and go to Matthew 5, and we'll just read, we'll just read the Beatitudes. They're famous. You can probably quote them, some of you. I can't. All right. Let's do first 12 verses. This is Jesus giving a big sermon on the mountain. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain and when he was seated, uh, his disciples came to him. Uh, then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So knowing everything that we just looked at today, like, it might seem weird at first. Like, he says, blessed are, and then he says all these small and weak things like the poor in spirit you know those who mourn the meek those who hunger and thirst for righteousness meaning they don't have it yet um the the merciful the pure in heart peacemakers you know those who you know are lied about this is all wimpy stuff right this is pathetic. This is little. And he's saying, blessed are you who have this stuff. Amen. Why? Because all the greatest things of the universe are hidden in smallness and humility. Because in this place, when you are in worship, 
You are with Jesus. You are on Mount Sinai, the fearsome mountain of God, where the word of God goes forth and the glory of God goes forth so you can join with Jesus in heaven and laugh at the mountains of Bashan that surround you. And maybe, who knows, maybe one day some of us will live to see the news story with the enemies gathering against Israel and they're all up on the Golan Heights. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up. We're like, whoa, I, re I remember that message. Uh, I just want to remind you of one name of Jesus, a very fitting being that we've entered to December, and that is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Yes, God with us. That's the point. You don't got to worry about this mess around you. God is with us. That's the whole point. It's hard. I know. Like, I have it up here. I don't always have it here. Sometimes I get scared about all this stuff around me, but... God is with us. I got to get that in here from me. Um, what do you want? Do you have worship up here? All right. Hey, that's fitting. Since worship is where Mount Sinai is, according to that passage, let's have the band up here and let's go to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai.